the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. It's supposed to be a beautiful weekend. So, uh, you know, as soon as you finish uh, drinking your coffee and listening to this crazy guy for an hour, uh, <laughs> get out there and uh, enjoy it. Absolutely. Uh, look, I always uh, start off on my webpage, and I, I will again today. I, I didn't have any quotes today that I thought were significant, so we're just going to leave that to, to go. Um, anyway, uh, if you Google Tim Hayes radio, uh, my kisser shows up on that. Uh, he always knows me cause right below it says, remember buy low and sell high. Uh, I remember a couple times on the show, I said, uh, buy high and sell low at the end because <laughs> I was in a hurry. Oops. Anyway, there's some good stuff on that webpage. I highly recommend going through it, especially the bulletin board. Uh, the daily technical analysis is very good stuff. I, I sent a chart out to everybody on Friday that's on my list. If you'd like to get on my list, there's all those contact me and email me's all over the place. Uh, you know, so uh, please feel free to, to get in touch with us. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's contact me or email me, whatever you may want to do. It's down at the bottom. You know, it says take the next step, but they're all over the place. So look, uh, we have a bunch of research that I'd highly recommend. I keep talking to people. If you don't understand government healthcare fundamentals, we've got a sheet on that. We've got a sheet on life insurance, uh, basics. We've got, uh, you know, why women need life insurance. A lot of women don't have life insurance. I don't know, you know, uh, I highly recommend it. But we have Medicare basic facts, the key numbers, uh, some income planning, uh, your enrollment consideration fact sheets, as a matter of fact, uh, a woman's guide to health care and retirement, uh, caring for aging parents and health care and retirement in general. Uh, but we also have some really great pieces, uh, you know, global e- energy best ideas. Brent crude went over 80 this week. West Texas crude went over 73. Those were two big resistance numbers. So there we go. We also, healthcare, I've been pounding the table on healthcare since February. Actually, January, I think it was. It is now the leading group. Utilities are second, which we talked about in the spring. Remember, buy yield when it's up. Uh, there's a good piece on healthcare here. Then there are imagine 2025 portfolio. So this is what stocks we think you can put away for, for seven years and see what happens. Um, we also have an ETF, uh, or, a, and a unit trust for that too. Uh, we have our small cap index. Small caps are, are pulling back a little bit. Uh, I probably wait on those, but you know, uh, I think our all cap index is better, uh, which is for you know our guided portfolio. By the way, we can run that for you without ever having to call you. We just run it for you and uh, charge you a few basis points on that. On our top equity list and our top global ideas, the global ideas are starting to get interesting. Uh, we also have a new newsletter out for October. It's down the donut hole. If you don't know what the donut hole is, that's Medicare coverage gap. 
uh, on the road to retirement, beware with these five risks and life insurance with a refund and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. If you would like, I can also send you, I sent this to everybody that's on my list, and that was the key numbers projected for 2019, such as uh, your standard deduction, okay? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, what your taxable income threshold will be, your capital gain threshold, your alternative minimum tax, kitty tax, uh, estate planning taxes, all that good stuff. All right? So it's there. Uh, if you'd like to have a cup of coffee with me, on the uh, at the bottom of the page uh, of my webpage is a number. It's 888-223-7742. I think we can do well for you. Um, so we had the Fed meeting this week, and I think there was a couple things that you know you should remember. We're not we're not seeing easy money anymore. That's the first thing they said. They thought there'd be four hikes in 2018. There's never been four hikes in a year. Okay, never. Uh, so we just had our third. Probably be a fourth coming up. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, and they think once we get to twenty and twenty, we'll be done. Uh, but the Fed added a new twenty twenty one dot to its interest rate hike. <laughs> uh, so there you go. You know, it's kind of funny. You know, I've been talking about municipal bonds uh, a while back, actually, and municipal bonds snapped their snapped their losing streak after the uh, very uneventful FMOC meeting. I mean, people were expecting. So muni bonds rally. They bro- broke an eight-day losing streak after the Federal Reserve gave no surprises. The long end of the curve outperformed, which is what should happen, with debt due in, in 2039 tightening by three basis points. That's pretty good. Uh, one thing I will say is, you know, muni, muni yields are now three and a quarter to 340, whereas the 10-year Treasury is, is at uh, about uh, 280. So, hmm, it's actually better to buy ta- totally tax-free bonds than it is to uh, to buy a taxable bond. That's kind of interesting. So, you know, I was looking at some some stock model holdings, and I, I own quite a few of these. But um, it, it's very interesting that some of these, there's been a rotation on some of these portfolios uh, because some of the big names have really got hit hard. I mean, Facebook, Micron have been hit pretty hard. So, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, I always talk about magazine covers on this show. And we had two magazine covers that c- kind of, you know, <laughs> I looked up and said, whoa. And this uh, the one was uh, back in August. And uh, I forgot to mention it, but it was the cover of Barron's. And it said, the Bulls final countdown, how to prepare. Hmm. So magazine covers are there to sell magazines. Usually they're a contrary opinion. And then finally, uh, you know, with our friends uh, at Fortune, which I haven't mentioned in a long time, by the way, it says the end is near. <laughs> the co- U.S. economy will slow. The bull market will end. And that was just this last month. So uh, so depending on how you define bull and bear markets, uh, whether you use intraday or closing prices, which index, you know, that type of thing. Um, look, using this de- definition, uh, well, let me use a definition. A bear market is when you're down 20%. Okay, it's that simple. So if you use that de- definition, we conclude that the duration of this current bull market is far shorter than any of the one that ran from uh, December 1987 to the dot-com uh, uh, dot bubble burst. Sorry about that. That's hard to say four times in a row. Uh, in terms of a cumulative gain during a bull market, the current bull market also lacks 1987. Uh, between then and 1987-2000, 
the S&P gained more than 580%. Actually, if you, you know, you say that that was just a uh, a bear move within a bull market. The whole game was a thousand percent from 1982 on. Uh, so, meanwhile, if you look at March 9th of 2009, which we said on the radio to buy, uh, the S and P 500 has returned 333 percent. That's just a 16 percent annualized gain. And by the way, the last 20 years, it's averaged just 7.4 percent. It's also worth noting that it's not been for the brief bear market in 2087 which occurred, uh, I think it lasted like three months, the bull market would have extended all the way to 2017 full years. Uh, so, you know, we know that there have previously been longer and stronger bull markets than the current one. Uh, I mean, in a couple of occasions, we've, we've averaged 19, 20% for, for a long period of time. So what, what I think is interesting is the bullish percent for all equity funds turned up into a column of X's. Now it's up there. And also the bullish percent for non-U.S. equities turned up. Uh, over that same 10 days, we saw that the money market percentile, which we talk about a lot on this show, this reason is rooted in, the, in you know our, our dynamic asset level investing our friends at Dorsey Wright provide us with, it actually reversed down to a column of O's this week. So uh, people are putting less money in the money market. It's very, very interesting. Now, uh, there's a great article in Barron's this week. If you don't read it, you should. Uh, it talks about, well, I had Ed call me and say, Tim, uh, you know, tell me about 529 plans. Look, 529 plans have a lot going for them. There's a generous tax benefit. Uh, if you, uh, you know, you don't never get taxed once you give the money as long as the child uses it for education. If uh, they don't, there, there's a problem. And also, you got to remember that if the child, if you know, the child goes bad, you can always pull the money back and just get taxed on it. Okay. Uh, however, there's there's other options. Uh, you know. And, and I think that, uh, you know, you should be aware of them. And that is you can give, you know, $15,000 a year to uh, anybody you want. All right. And so you can give the child 15000 bucks and work accordingly. Uh, or It's $30,000 a couple, by the way. And, uh, you know, but you, you got to also remember once you've given that money, uh, you can't take it back. So the kid goes bad. You got a problem. Also, uh, you know, one of the things I was reading about the tax bill is our our analyst and also I think Barron's mentioned this too a couple weeks ago was this new tax plan is a boon for REITs. Uh, I mean, if you look at this, uh, the new Tax Cut and Job Act, it, the effective tax rate rate on real estate investment trusts has been slashed. Uh, that that law was enacted this year, so it's a it's literally um, the drop. They dropped the top effective rate on REITs uh, on the real estate investment dividends from 37%, which is the highest income rate, uh, tax rate, to 29.6%. So uh, that's a that's a big uh, big plus. So you're not paying regular you know income basically. Private REITs are even better. Uh, so you know it's a good deal. Um, I've had 27 calls <laughs> this week on gold. And look, um, I think gold could be carving out a bit of a major reversal. I mean, it's not going to go to zero. Everybody's betting on Bitcoin. That's why these are going down. But if you look, you know, we could be forming, could be, okay? Now, don't quote me on this, but it's a could be. Could be forming a head and shoulders bottom. And uh, I'm looking at the GDX now. This is the Gold Miners Trust. This is not gold itself. So, uh one of the things we found this year is that oil 
has outperformed oil stocks. Oil has gone from 58 to uh, to 73. And most of the oil stocks have not participated. Now, what we're starting to see is some of the ocean rig people and some of the, we're actually starting to see some uh, people in the equipment and supply and the, uh, you know, that type of thing start to do a little bit better. Not great, just a little bit better. So it, it, it could happen, who knows, but the gold miners look like uh, if, you know, we have like a neckline already formed, if we can just break that neckline on the upside, we could have a nice little uh, move. Uh, which stocks look the best? That's for you to, uh, you know, uh, take a look at. Uh, but, you know, it's funny. I, w- there was a poll done, and uh, Betterment did a survey where they asked the, the, the uh, respondents how well the S&P 500 has done since December of 2008. And it's amazing. <laughs> I've asked this question of how, how the market's doing this year. And not many people are paying attention. Down 200%, 5% of the people think that. 30% say it's about the same. One in 50 think it's up 21%. Uh, So, I mean, most people are dead wrong. Up 200% is only 8% of the population. That's where we lie, folks. So, uh, (laughs) there we go. Now, on the other side, they asked the same question about emerging markets, and everybody said they were up, and they're down big. Hey, stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Smart Investor Show. This is today's entertainment answer. Hey, gang, get ready, because the must-see animated comedy Smallfoot is in theaters September 28th. Imagine a village of yetis who think that humans are the myth. It's a terrifying creature with perfect white teeth and breath that just smells all minty fresh. And the only hair that has on its entire body is on the top of its head. So get ready, I mean yeti, for Smallfoot, rated PG in theaters September 28th. For this entertainment answer, I'm Matt Mungle. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. So, you know, we just talked, uh, if you just tuned in, by the way, and you want to hear the whole show, you can go to whkradio.com, and they they have the local podcasts, and uh, just look up Tim Hayes, and I'm there. By the way, we are now on Apple Podcasts as of this week, so uh, if you want to, you go to, if you know how to get to Apple Podcasts, you can now get us on Apple, so uh, whoopee, we're on Apple. Um, Anyway. You know, I just talked about people knowing what the market's doing, and everybody says they do, but they don't really, okay? And, you know, the other thing is I found that people are have no patience anymore. You know, if they're not up 20% in a year, they're, they're out, which is stupid. Uh, you know, I, I had a company uh, called Fortinet, uh, which I owned a lot of. I, I paid 28 to $31 for, and it did nothing for a year. It's now $90 and plus, okay? So uh, people are, uh, there's no patience anymore. People want to get out or they hear it on CNBC and they get out. So they're, 
CNBC has turned us all into day traders, which is crazy because the real money's made in the long run. Uh, now, the other thing I, I'll suggest is that a lot of people buy ETFs and have no idea what's in them. And that, that worries me a little bit because, look, uh, I looked at the S&P 500 versus the RSP, which is the, the, the S&P 500 is the capitalization-weighted S&P 500, and the RSP is each stock gets one vote. Or, all right, so it's equal-weighted. And it's amazing the equal-weighted has outperformed for a long time now, and uh, it's, it's, you know, continues to outperform, continues to outperform, continues to outperform. Now, on the one year, they're about even, but if you look uh, uh, for a long period of time, it's uh, it, the uh, equal weight's done better. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what goes on there. But I just think, you know, what I'm trying to tell you is that if, you, if you're buying the XLC, all right, uh, which is consu- technology and consumer uh, discretionary stocks, you got to know what's in there. You know, the largest holding in that is Facebook. You know, if you're wondering why it's not going anywhere, that's why. Disney is the fourth largest holding. Disney's gone sideways for four years. I mean, it's starting to come out. It's got AT&T in there. AT&T hasn't done anything in 15 years. So uh, they got Verizon in there. Hasn't done anything. So you got to know what you own, okay? Uh, the XLK is uh, holdings by weight. And, uh, you know, it's got a pretty good lineup, uh, but the you know it is our Visa and Mastercard really technology stocks? Who knows? Uh, the XLY uh, is the retail group, and uh, you know it has bookings in it. You know how many people own bookings at a thousand dollars a share uh, or Amazon? So it it's a, it's a tough thing. You got to know what you're doing, and I think people. Uh, what I'm trying to tell you in so many words is is there's a lot of people out there that uh, are buying things that they don't know what's in them. <laughs> Now, it, under the buy high yield when it's up, or buy yield when it's up, you know now might be a, a decent time to buy some utilities. They are starting to outperform, by the way, just so you know. And uh, you know they're a reasonable value here. Uh, they're currently on average yielding about three point nine percent. That's about a eighty three basis points, and a basis point is one tenth of a, po- a percentage point more than the ten year Treasury. And by way of comparison. Uh, prior to 2001, the sector's yield uh, averaged 85 basis points below the 10-year. Uh, from a PE standpoint, the sector is trading at a 2.4% premium to, to the S&P 500 versus a 17% premium four years ago. So the PE valuation is influenced by interest rates, by the way, and, and typically trading within a range of, of minus 5 to plus 20. Uh, so, look, utility Dividends are growing faster than inflation. So for all you retirees, if you'd like to get our list of utilities or a prime income list, which would be probably better, that's that's a good idea. The other thing that you got to remember is utilities carry low volatility and operations are becoming more defensive. Uh, you need, look, how many times do you charge your iPhone a week? Okay. You need a utility. Uh, you're going to let, let yourself go without heat in the winter? Probably not. Just remember uh, that utilities over the last five years have had a lower volatility than the bond market. Okay, so if you don't know it, your CDs are based on the bond market, and, and uh, you know, so they bounce up and down, the yields bounce up and down. So they've had a lower volatility. So we have a lot of picks, and uh, uh, one that I really, really like that uh, 
actually one of my clients brought to my attention. And uh, by the way, we did publish a report on the cannabis industry. Uh, if you'd like a copy of it, I, I believe I can uh, get that out to you. Um, that's an interesting group. Uh, we I I didn't even know we were allowed to recommend them, uh, and I guess we are now that we follow them. And there's some really good names there that uh, chart wise I think are kind of interesting. What I thought was very very interesting. I read this. Um, remember I've been talking about how much money has moved to the bond market, and how much money is in in uh, in sitting in cash. Whether it's corporate, you know your your money markets, whatever it may be, uh, there is now a record-breaking eleven trillion dollars sitting cash, and most people uh, are you know sitting on it. They're they're you know look, uh, some people are not are even afraid of annuities now, and uh, you know whatever they're afraid they're because of two thousand eight they're afraid of everything. Which usually means that, by the way, we're going to have a long-term bull market. By the way, there's uh, there's a great piece that we just put out uh, about playing defense with the government-backed, mortgage-backed securities, and uh, some of these have pretty high coupons. And um, it, it's not it's not for everyone. Okay, this is not you know not everybody is going to be you know paying attention to this. But look, they provide valuable portfolio diversification. Number one. They're, they're an opportunity to gain some additional yield over the treasuries without taking any more credit risk and the potential for higher re- returns as interest rates rise, which is something, you know, you got to remember. So, uh, look, if you use mortgage-backed securities, uh, the sector can be viewed to some extent as an all-weather allocation, if you will. The price reaction of government-backed uh, uh, mortgage backs is muted relative to a credit or a treasury, which can lead to, you know, uh, steadier performances over time. But anyway, if you'd like more uh, information on that, please give us a ring. Um, like I said, we, we talk about these quite a bit, and uh, uh, you know we'll go from there. I, I want to review a couple things from last week. And if I look, um, according to the financial market stress indicators calculated by the Federal Reserve, currently there is little reason – uh, to fear a new financial crisis. The indicator tracks 18 components and is designed to indicate stress in the financial system. By the way, this comes from the Federal Reserve, just so you know. So during the run-up of, uh, uh, to the crisis, the indicator sounded the alarm during the uh, summer of 2007. This is, By the way, that was one of the indicators that I thought, you know, when I said cash will do better than the stock market, uh, uh, it was right near the end of 2007, and uh, it, it jumped up, and then it really went crazy in 2008. Uh, so anyway, you know, just so you know, a lot of people are saying, hey, you know, it's the end of the world, whatever. Um, it doesn't look that way by what the Fed's numbers are saying. So now, look, uh, we had a Fed meeting this week and um, the latest Fed uh, rate hike has been delivered as as promised. And and it's uh, they're now it's squarely. I mean, there's a 75 percent chance on the table for December. OK. So this could be problematic for U.S. equities. Remember, we talked about this four-year cycle within this, the 16-, 18-year cycle, and that would be start next year. What a surprise how this works. It's, it's amazing how uh, this works time and time again. But U.S. equities should be able to absorb a, maybe an additional rate hike if the Fed continues to proceed at a measured pace and does not overreact to any domestic economic trends or unwarranted outside risks, and uh, it pauses or ends the tightening cycle before it shows signs of choking economic growth. 
Uh, so we don't see that yet. So it's, you know, it's kind of tough. But look, the, F- the Fed has raised its target rate in recent years, but it's still well below the two prior peaks. Remember, the two prior peaks were six, 650 in uh, 2000 and five and a quarter in 2007. So, you know, you, you, you want to be paying attention to that. And look, one of the things I talked about was uh, gross stocks versus value stocks for the last couple of weeks. And I just want to let you know that with higher valuations for gross stocks, uh, they're rel- somebody asked me, what's the difference? That was the first question. I'm sorry, I, I, did, I didn't write, read the question first. Look, higher valuations for growth stocks are relative to the broader market because uh, of some investor anxiety, okay? But historical data suggests current valuations may produce solid long-term annualized returns. Uh, the, you know, look, the August price-to-earnings ratio of the Russell 1000 indicates a potential 10-year annualized return that we believe is very, very attractive to uh, investors. And there's a couple other things like the R-square or the coefficient of determination. Look, growth stock valuations are higher than those of the broad market, and there's a good reason. Growth stocks have higher returns of capital, faster growth, and less debt. That's simple. So the higher absolute valuations of growth stocks can cause investors a lot of apprehension. And by the way, if you uh, if you adjust the E, you got to adjust the P and, uh, you know, just leave it at that. Uh, so don't get frightened of them. Uh, you know, just use op- when there's opportunities to buy them, buy them. So anyway, uh, here's what I we've seen this week. And uh, this comes from my friends, Bob Schleimer at uh, Fundstrat and uh, Bob Dickey and a few other people that I talked to. Uh, the S&P uptrend still intact. I don't see any meaningful divergence yet. Uh, like I said, the four-year cycle is likely to peak in 2019, we think. Growth still leads. Uh, cyclicals are bottoming. And some of them are starting to emerge. And and I'm going to just mention that. Uh, MedTech remains an established uh, uptrend. That, that's the one that I think is the best. And software continues to lead the way. Uh, international equities... Uh, I think there's going to be a rebound, but it might be technical. It might not be long-term. It might need to bottom a while, okay? And the dollar, uh, the weekly momentum remains negative, but our expectation is, is there, there's a bounce coming. It was very strong this week, so we'll see what happens. Energy uh, is a late-cycle leader, and uh, look, we had a, some short-term pullbacks here, but we do have a, two, a rising 200-day moving average, which is kind of interesting, I am seeing a couple discretionary stocks that I, you know, I really, really like. One, I had a couple people sell just recently, and I just I couldn't believe they sold it. But um, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. You have to call me on that one. Healthcare. I continue to see he- uh, more healthcare stocks emerge, and I'm starting to see speculation in small cap healthcare, which is very, very good. Um, technology. Uh, we're having some fang pullbacks here, and uh, but the semis are starting to show uh, bottoming. So. Keep that in mind. Um, the Nikkei uh, looks like it's bouncing up, and and we're still below that three forty range on the uh, on the the ten year Treasury. So um, I, I guess I would look at energy materials are improving from oversold, uh, and utilities are weakening a little bit, but you want to buy yield when it's up. Hey, we'll be right back with the bullish percent. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Day after day, I'm more confused. Yet I look for the light through the pouring rain. 
Let's simplify window shopping. You deserve a great product at a fair price. Empire Window Company's been serving this area for 58 years. They've got a lot of satisfied customers like Big Chuck. Glenn, over the years, I've seen a lot of businesses come and go. Empire Windows has been in business for over 50 years. They're an honest, family-owned company that you can trust. They offer the highest quality windows installed by experts at a fair price. I have Empire Windows in my home. And how does this sound? Eight quality windows locally built for your home from $58 a month from a name you can trust for 58 years. Empire Window Company, 855-76-EMPIRE. Thinking about vinyl siding? Try 35% off and free gutters with your siding project. Enhance the beauty and value of your home. Window, siding, doors. 58 years in business. That's a lot of satisfied customers. Empire Window Company, 855-76-EMPIRE. Hey, Bob France here for my good friends at Kowalski Ford. Listen, if you're in the market for a new car, you're probably going to shop at a lot of places. What I'm going to ask you to do for your own benefit is to shop at Kowalski Ford as well. Just include them in your trip. It would be very presumptuous of me to tell you where to buy your car. That's a personal decision. But I want you to experience what Kowalski has to offer. If you like large dealerships with a ton of salespeople all competing for your business because they have sales quotas, go somewhere else. But if you'd rather be treated like a member of the family, get to Kowalski Ford on Lake Road in Avon Lake, one mile west of Route 83. Kowalski Ford, get there. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And once again, if you'd like to have coffee with me, it's 888-223-7742. We'd be uh, be glad to have it. Uh, We'll just, look, uh, what, what I do when we talk the first time is get a feel for what you're looking to do and sometimes i don't get that okay uh i had conversations with a couple people the uh, last two saturday mornings or two out of the last four saturday mornings i should say and um i didn't really have a feel i asked them just to email me what they're looking for uh just so i i, I you know because sometimes i don't get it i don't have enough time in the morning to do it or whatever uh but most of the time i do give them what i uh a scenario of Hey, this is what I see. All right, this is the world as we see it right now, and I show them some graphs because I'm a visual person uh, to, for to a great degree. So anyway, if you'd like it, it's eight 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 two two three seven seven four two. And don't forget, we talked about all sorts of reports, top ideas, the dividend growth portfolio. What a great idea that is! Uh, prime income list, uh, our top ideas, our top global ideas, our top oil ideas, our top small cap ideas. Highly recommend it. If you'd like our uh, Best idea or our bond list, too. Uh, might be a good time to be looking at municipal bonds. All right, so uh, this is our time we talk about our main risk guide, and that is the bullish percent. Bullish percent is simply a chart that was invented by a protege of Charles Dow back in the 30s, and he wanted to be bullish when everybody else was bearish, and he wanted to be bearish when everybody else was bullish. So he, he 
put a chart together, a point and figure chart, which is what they used to do back then. Still, you know, a lot of people still do it. Uh, Dorsey Wright still does it. And this comes from our friends at Dorsey Wright, by the way. And uh, it's just a chart that goes from zero to 100. When you're a column of X's, you have the offensive team on the field. When you're a column of O's, you want to be more defensive. You want to be a little bit more, you know, that's, believe me, distribution happens a lot faster than accumulation. It's just the way of the world, fear versus greed, okay? And uh, also, there's two other spots. When we get above 70, that's the red zone. That's when everybody's talking about their portfolio and CNBC talks about we're going to the moon, all right? And then we get below 30, and it's the end of times. Everybody's crying their beer. You know, uh, no, nobody ever wants to hear about the stock market. You leave your 401k statement unopened for months, okay? So that's when you want to be greedy. Fear and greed is what drives the stock market. Uh, as Warren Buffett once said, the numbers matter eventually. You got to get the emotion out of the way first. There we go. So anyway, uh, this week we are at 56.1% in the bullish percent. So we're up a percent. Uh, we would reverse down to 52, which we got pretty close to. The The over-the-counter index, which is the smaller stocks, are still in a column of O's. They were up a half a percentage point. They won't reverse back up till 52, so that's a problem. The world indexes, which we told you you know, would pop, which they have, they're now in a column of X's. Uh, they're at 39. They won't reverse down till 36. But remember, this came from 33, and we thought they'd pop. That's good. So there was no big changes in the bullish percent this week or no big changes in the positive trend. Uh, the high-low index, that's the number of new highs versus new lows. They're all down around 56. That was one of the reasons I sent my, uh, uh, my piece out on Friday. We haven't been noticed that the advanced decline line is down a bit. Now, what you'd like to see is that reverse back up, okay? Uh, but it can also make a lower high. And if it makes a lower high, then you have to start to worry. We haven't, we don't have that yet, but usually the advanced decline line is the first sign of trouble in the stock market. Let me say it again. The advanced decline line, the number of new highs versus new lows, is usually the first sign of trouble in a stock market. Okay, it's that simple. Uh, but if you look at dynamic level investing, um, you know that we do have domestic equities are still the number one asset class. Remember, back in two thousand seven and eight, they were the lowest form of life. Okay, they were dead last. Uh, so this is that's a big positive. Now, look within the con- confines of the S and P five hundred, the old telecommunications sector was made up of AT and T, Verizon, and CenturyLink. We've now added Netflix, Google, and quite a few other names. Uh, so um, it'll be interesting to see how that does over the period of time because the telecom sector was dead last <laughs> in uh, dynamic asset level investor domestic sector ratings. So uh, it'll be interesting to see you know, uh, how would an investor experience have been different following uh, sector guidance under the old sector classification versus the new and and that, that that's something. I mean, the hypothetical growth is a little bit. Uh, it's it's about ten percent higher. So um, we'll see what happens with this new uh, type, new sector stuff. And, and, and you know, the Dow Jones has been on a tear. It's ten straight weeks of positive momentum, while the small caps have really kind of fallen behind. Uh, one week in, of negative momentum in the mid caps, and two weeks uh, in the small caps. But the QQQs, which is the big names. Uh, there's been four straight weeks of negative momentum and, and the equal weight ETF for the S and P 500 and the market weight, uh, have both been negative for a week. 
but we have had positive movement in the frontier uh, and the emerging markets, uh, which we kind of said would probably happen. Um, you know, we, we always talk about the bullish percent for uh, different groups. And this week we are down just to eight favored sectors. We were 26 in January. Um, by the way, I also noticed uh, that the McQuellen oscillator is is down to negative 27 right now, which is pretty far down. And also the summation index, which was at 800 plus 800, is down to you know 132 at this point. So we we've seen a lot of stocks pull back. Okay, and and I'm just going to talk about the favored sectors and where they are. We have nothing over 65. Zippo. All right. Uh, the uh, the banking sector, which had been there, is now not favored anymore. All right, so we're just going to talk about the favored sectors now. Uh, computers are at fifty, are at sixty. Business services are at fifty-five. It's a good place to look. Protection services, restaurants, software, and healthcare at fifty. Uh, healthcare is actually starting to pick up. That's the one I like the best. Retail and oil are at forty-five. We now have five sectors under thirty. Now none of these are favored, but what you want to look for is reversals back up on these. And they are non-ferrous metals, steel, semiconductors. Boy, they how the mighty have fallen. Remember, they were at 85 back in January. Uh, Wall Street, which has been really been beat up a little bit, and precious metals, which is, you know, they're still at 18. Remember I said, you know, if you look at the GDX, you know, we, we've got kind of a head and shoulders reversal pattern starting it is not finished, so don't anticipate an anticipator. Don't go out and buy this based on what I just said there. Uh, you know, do your own homework. But you know, I always wait for confirmation before I do anything, especially when I'm uh, seeing something at the bottom. Um, I did notice that transportation went into unfavored st- status this week, and that is uh, transportation. You know, and and utilities selling off at the same time is not a good sign for the stock market. You want to see. The Dow Jones Industrials, the transports and utilities all hitting the high at the same time. That's called a Dow. Uh, Dow. Well, it's 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 a Dow buy signal is what it comes down to. Uh, I have nothing really in, that's extremely favored at this point. Banks and forced paper products, which have been leading the way, uh, went below average this week. So that's kind of uh, you know a, a problem. International equities. Um, Hong Kong is technically a part of China. There are policies in place that protect the territory from legislation and regulation intended for China. Uh, One of these is the United States Hong Kong Policy Act. Uh, This was enacted back in 1992, which ensures that the U.S. considers Hong Kong as a separate entity. Uh, However, while Hong Kong isn't directly uh, subject to U.S. tariffs in China, there is concern that the volumes will decline, and uh, boy, they really beat up uh, the Hong Kong indexes with that. Okay, they, you know, they, we had a bearish car- catapult a while, about a month ago, and uh, I, I, we, now we've broken the uptrend line. So uh, nothing good is happening in Hong Kong, is what I'm trying to tell you so far. You know, the Federal Reserve uh, wrapped up uh, their meeting um, this week, and uh, they added a quarter point, uh, which is not a surprise to anybody. But if you look at the uh, interest rate, uh, hedged high-yield bond fund, hedged now, okay? Uh, it broke a triple uh, triple uh, top this week, which is very positive in the, in the point-and-figure world. So uh, that's re- really good, I think. As far as commodities, um, 
you know, oil's been positive for three weeks. The commodity index has been been positive three to five weeks. Gold has been positive for six weeks and can't get out of its own way, though. And copper has been positive for seven weeks. And corn just went positive this week. But I think the big thing that's going on within commodities is gasoline broke a, a double top. And we'll bring, break another double top if, if I look at the UGA, which is the ETF for gasoline fund. If it, it broke 36 and a half, it would be off to the races, I think. Now, as far as um, stocks that are positive relative strengths, remember relative strength is important in technical analysis. What we're trying to do is bring this big economy down to ideas that you can use. But we also want to match the fundamentals with the technicals, okay, which is very, very important. So relative strength buy signals usually tells you that this stock is leading the group and, and leading the market. Abbott Laboratories, number one, Ameren uh, Pharmaceuticals, which had a big move this week, Energen Corporation. Uh, by the way, th- all three of these were insider buys just recently. Ericsson Communications, Clear Channel Outdoor Holdings, Basic Elect- uh, Energy Services, Altamune, which had a huge move this week, Cosmos Energy, which is an oil company, uh, Rowan, Unisys, and Conatis Pharmaceuticals. Uh, on the sell side, this is where you want to check your, you know, uh, what's going on here. Okay. Uh, on the sell side, we had a lot more than we had on the buy side. And that was deluxe fresh Del Monte hooker, uh, furniture, echo brands, Lennar Corp, a housing company, the interest rates going up Mueller industries, spectrum pharmaceuticals, Winnebago, TG therapeutics, sage therapeutics, and zero Zero, uh, zero, uh, sorry about that folks. Um, anyway, you know, those were all good. So I had a couple questions this week. Uh, Greg called me and asked me, you know, about trading and look, here's a couple things that I would suggest if you're just getting new at this, look, if you don't know what you're doing, call me and I'll, you know, uh, I help my clients. I'll just say that don't trust your own opinion and back your judgment until the action of the market actually confirms your opinion. Okay. As long as a stock is active right and the market is right, don't be in a hurry to take profits. What people do is they sell their winners too quickly. Do not become completely bearish or bullish on the whole market because one stock in one, some particular group has reversed its course. All right. The, you know, everybody's getting bearish because of Facebook. Not a good idea. Uh, if, you, if you have wishful thinking, you're trying to wish a stock back to life, that should be banished. Look, I hold on to some stocks that go down, okay? But mostly these are owned by billionaires. And I look at the fundamentals and I just think, hey, the market's wrong for a short period of time or has got it wrong. So, and then finally, the leaders of today may not be the leaders of two years from now. All right, we'll be right back with the uh, insiders. During the Civil War, it was called Soldier's Heart. After World War II, they called it gross stress reaction. It's been called shell shock, war neurosis, and battle fatigue. Today, we call it post-traumatic stress disorder, and it affects one out of every five warriors returning from battle in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's not a wound that you can see, though it can have an even more significant impact. Post-traumatic stress disorder can prevent warriors from living a normal life, hurt their relationships, and affect their ability to hold a steady job. 
The Wounded Warrior Project offers comfort and support for warriors with post-traumatic stress disorder and all other scars of war, whether those scars are visible or hidden. Find out what you can do to help, because for warriors, the greatest casualty is being forgotten. Please visit WoundedWarriorProject.org. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. Just tune in. This is the Smart Investor Show. And uh, now we talk about insiders. All right. So, uh, like I said, we took this big economy and we moved it down to some ideas, some relative strength, buy signals, where the insiders are buying, that type of thing. I will say that insider selling this month has been the biggest in quite a while. I, th- I think maybe in six, seven months, which is usually not a good sign. Uh, however, we do have insiders buying some places. Ron Perlman bought another $2.7 million in Revlon. Remember, he started buying at 16. It's now 21, down from 26. Ron is a pretty smart guy. And this surprises me because, and by the way, this is, uh, I, I talked about three stocks last week, GE, Lionsgate, and uh, uh, what was the other one? Uh, it was three that... Uh, Oh, I can't remember that insiders have been wrong. And look, Lionsgate um, had a huge buy at 38 and a quarter. It's, it's now 23. And yet here we have, uh, and this came out of clear, clear blue, by the way, Michael Burns or uh, Ray, Ray Burns, I should say, he's an officer and director of Lionsgate, bought 50,000 shares and it just stopped the stock from going down, which is very interesting because there's been lots of buys down here. The stock's done nothing. We had we had uh, Mr. John Malone buy it at 38 with Liberty Media. That's smart money, by the way, very smart money, some of the smartest money in entertainment stocks. And uh, they're down 50%, 60%, which is just unbelievable. Um, and we had a lot of biotech buys this week. Uh, we had a bunch last week, you remember. Uh, ADAP was one of them and a couple other ones. Uh, by the way, it's up about 10% since we talked about it. A Shillian Pharmaceuticals, the CFO bought 200,000 shares, and – uh, the CEO bought 400,000 shares. Uh, the stock's, it's about a $3 stock, so it's a pretty good uh, purchase. And then um, we had a couple other, let's see. New Age Beverage. This is a company that makes CBD uh, beverages, which is uh, marijuana stocks, okay? And this was after the run, by the way. The stock went from 1 to 10, and it pulled back, and then they bought it. And uh, the uh, C- the CFO bought one point seven seven three million, and then a director bought five point one two seven million shares, not dollars, shares of about a five dollar stock. Uh, also, molecular templates. Uh, a director bought uh, two million dollars worth, uh, and and then bought another uh, three point two six million uh, shares later. So uh, you know. You like seeing that. Associated Bank Corp. Now, you know, the banks are down, 
And uh, a lot of people are starting to sell them, and I think that's a bad idea. Uh, but Phil Flynn, the president and CEO, bought $4.6 million. Uh, they had a director buy 300000 and four people, four directors, buy $100,000 or more. And here's a big one, another biotech, the Baker Brothers. And now they, they jumped the stock right after they bought it, but the Baker Brothers bought $22 million worth of stock. That's smart money. Remember, their buy on Seattle Genetics, bottom Seattle Genetics, Seattle Genetics was $48. It's now 78 That's a big move. Uh, now, they've already moved this thing. It was 16 when they bought it. And it's now 20 already, so you want to wait a little bit and see if it pulls back a little bit. And then um, also we had uh, Analyst and Anaptis Bio, A-N-A-B. Uh, we had a buyer of 142,000, uh, 42,000 shares. Uh, it was $0.70 stock, So, uh, but there's, there's like eight people that bought it, just so you know. And then National Cinema, uh, NCMI, we had... Uh, Standard General LP shareholder filed a form. They purchased 182,000 shares. They own that's 1.5 billion. They own 14 million, 14, let's say 15 million uh, totally. That's a lot. Uh, also, a beneficial holder, uh, iStar, of Safety Income and Growth, uh, which is a kind of a REIT, uh, bought 129,000 shares or 2.1 million. They already own 7.3 million. That's quite a chunk right there. Now, here's a guy, this is kind of controversial. Uh, <laughs> the CEO and the CFO of a company called PED, or PED's Assemble. The, the CEO is from Russia, and he brought a special type of chemical formula over here. Uh, and you should take a look at it. It's kind of interesting. He bought, these bought convertible promissory notes, which is, you know, convertibles convert into common stock, if you don't know, uh, never heard of them before. And he bought $22 million and his, uh, his CFO bought $500,000 worth, which I think is kind of interesting. And then uh, uh, Amicus Therapeutics, we had Perceptive Advisors, who's a 10% holder, buy another $627,000. This is the fourth buy in about 14 weeks. Okay, so that's, that's pretty big. Uh, and then uh, Century Bank Corp. Remember, we talked about him buying back. It was 78. Now it's 72. And Jimmy Filler, uh, a 10% owner, bought another 120,000 shares. So uh, leave that at that. Now, uh, Kinder Morgan, which has been lagging the market terribly. Uh, it's an MLP, which, you know, what did very, very well back in April. By the way, it was, all, it was about $15 in April. So it went all the way to 19, which is a pretty good move, by the way. That's, a, you know, uh, almost a 33% move. But Richard Kinder who knows his company really well and probably is the second smartest guy in the MLP business, uh, bought $8.77 million worth. And uh, Fate Therapeutics, which is hitting a new high, let me say that again, Fate Therapeutics, where it's hitting a new high, a director bought $50 million worth. Here's an interesting one. Uh, Optical Cable Corp. Ted Weschler, if you don't know who he is, I do. You don't. That's your problem, not mine bought a 5.2% stake in it. And then also, uh, here's another name that I know that you probably don't, Kevin Douglas. Uh, Valuewalk.com had a great article about him about two years ago. He bought 544,000 shares of a 92-cent stock called Research Frontiers. He now owns $3.6 million. All right, so there you go. So 
look, I'm going to emphasize a couple things. Uh, this is where I kind of tell you what I, I'm seeing is that uh, the Dow keeps making new highs, but we have a number of stocks that have been hitting new highs along with the index declining over the last punt, uh, month. And uh, matter of fact, since the, the high in January, we've been down in this kind of dump uh, where, look, you know, the advance of the stock market uh, has come on a, on a note of decreasing participation uh, by many stocks uh, because of the recent, you know, new high list. And, and look, I think what you have to believe is this means there's a correction already occurring in a good number of stocks, but some of the larger names that are more influential in the index are holding at higher levels. So uh, in order to expect a stronger move to the upside, we need more participation and we don't have it yet. So, uh, you know, that's something to pay attention to. And, you know, look, I, I think if you looked at Bob Dickey's work, uh, you know, we're looking at a scenario where we're fairly, you know, parabolic uh, for the last couple of months. Now, that doesn't mean it's, you know, huge, you know, like on a monthly chart, this is a, you know, a daily chart. So I think you, you, you want to be you know, paying a little bit more attention at this point and, and making sure. Now, look, this doesn't take away from what I've been talking about, this grand cycle, okay? you know, 16 to 18 year cycle. But even uh, during those period of times, look, in the, in the 1982 to 2000 bull market, we had 1987. We had the 1990 when Saddam Hussein rolled into town, okay? We had the Russian ruble crisis in 1998. So there were times where we corrected 20% and we did it in a hurry. And it's good because it scares the bejesus out of everybody. And believe me, there's $11 trillion in the money market <laughs> or in cash, People are scared. That's great. It's the best time to invest, folks. When, you're, when your stomach doesn't feel good, it's a good time to invest. And I know that's hard to get over, but it's the best time to invest. And, and I can't get that going. But look, we're still in this grand cycle. And I, I think we've got probably another 12 to 15 more years. Uh, and it may be the longest bull market in history, but it's not the one, it doesn't have the greatest return of any of these bull markets. Uh, and I would suggest that, uh, you know, we have time here. Um, time's on our side. Let's put it that way. All right. It doesn't mean we can't not correct. All right. Uh, the NASDAQ composites, composites made a little bit of a lower high here. Uh, you know, Facebook's having all sorts of problems. Um, Amazon's not hitting new highs anymore. Okay. Uh, so, you know, these are the type of stuff you want to pay uh, fairly close attention to. Look, I want to make one more uh, plea. Uh, the IRS is warning a lot of retirees of some impending tax surprises. Uh, so if you've you got to make sure that you're, you estimate quarterly and make sure you're doing it properly. All right, I'll just emphasize that. But look, one of the things that's positive still is the percent of stocks on a buy signal is still positive. All right, so we're, we're, still, we're still seeing some good things and the leading economic indicators are still positive. So... Um, you know, look, what we're trying to do here, and I'll just say this again, uh, is we're trying to match the fundamentals with the technicals. So we want, you know, a good product, product acceptance, company management's good, earnings quality's good, price to earnings ratio's good. That's what to buy. Now what we want to do is figure out when to buy it, what the internal strength is, what the trend analysis is, what the relative strength is, what the momentum is. That's when to buy and sell, Okay. Now, I think some people sell a lot too early or get a little bit nervous, and I, I have several clients that have done that over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I don't really argue, but I, you know, I, I <laughs> shake my head a little bit. But look, here's the problem: is that value 
is in the dumps and gross going nuts. And, you know, does this reverse? Eh, who knows? But that's the key, I think. And I think the other key is, uh, look, we have oil breaking out. If oil were to break over 76, let's say, I think that'd be an extra tax on the system. And that, that might be uh, what causes the market to head south uh, along with the interest rates. All right. So what do we do here? I think it's a perfect time to look at the dividend growth list. You know, dividend growth is phenomenal over a long period of time. If you're 40 and you keep taking your dividends and buying more stock for a 20-year period, 25-year period, by the time you retire, not only will you have probably twice as much stock, but your dividend will probably be three or four times what it is today. What a great, you know, on a quarterly basis. Believe me, I had some people 20 years ago that did this and, and they're loving it now. All right. Uh, and, and I could t- I tell a couple stories about, you know, uh, Johnson & Johnson or a couple other names like that. The prime income list has a lot of utilities on it. We think it's a good time to buy utilities. Their, their, uh, their valuations are good, okay? Uh, on top of that, we have uh, our top ideas list. And I think one of our best portfolios is our all-cap portfolio, which we can run for you, by the way, without any problem. Um, and then our best ideas list, our best oil ideas, our best uh, small-cap ideas, our best international ideas – it's coming. We're, you know, that's that's not going to go away completely, but it'll be a bounce or two first. So you got time. Noah didn't start building the ark before it started raining or, or as it started raining. That's it, folks. That's the show. Thanks for uh, listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. And in the meantime, remember, buy low, sell high. This is Tim Hayes in the Smart Investor Show. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.